Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Listen, we all have our own personal favorite moments from Tom Steyer's failed 2020 Democratic presidential primary campaign. A campaign rich with meaning and incident. Tom Steyer, of course, needs no introduction. I'm just kidding. Billionaire, progressive, environmentalist, launched a $10 million ad blitz to get Trump impeached. Maybe you caught one of those ads during Wheel of Fortune. He spent more money trying to win the race than anybody not named Mike Bloomberg, but polled at just 2%. That guy, Tom Steyer. You know, for most of the past 30 years, when you'd be watching the Grammys and they'd say, and now a speech from the Recording Academy president. It's not that Tom Steyer necessarily looks like that guy looks, but he makes you feel like that speech feels. Anyways, he didn't win. If you're counting by ultimate candidate dropout order, Tom Steyer was the number eight stunner. But we'll always have our memories and each of us our own different personal favorite. I'm just kidding. We've all got the same favorite Tom Steyer moment. It was the night before the South Carolina primary at a rally held at the historically black Allen University when he brought out juvenile to do back that ass up. I gave it some thought. Now I will not subject you to the audio from this event, nor will I subject you to much visual description of this event. As a rhythm-deficient white man of a certain age, I shouldn't throw stones, though if I were to throw stones, Tom Steyer would simply bat those stones away with his jovially convulsing, rolled-up-sleeved, Frankenstein-ass arms. You can imagine what this scene looked like. You can decide which absurdist sketch comedy show this scene most closely resembled. It's I think you should leave. I should clarify in any event that Juvenile swore quite a bit, but still nominally performed the radio edit of Back That Ass Up, which is canonically titled Back That Thang Up. I'm no political genius, but I will say that Tom Steyer definitely would have won South Carolina if he'd let Juvenile do the full dirty version. But no, Tom went with the edit to some token degree and consequently finished third in South Carolina and dropped out of the race entirely within 24 hours. You can't half-ass something like this. It is vexing to me, truly, how much clunkier thang sounds than as in this construction. They're both one-syllable words. How much worse can it be? Substantially worse. It turns out there's clearly some sort of existential dopamine blocker inherent to the word thang here. Though I will concede that use a big fine woman is a very pleasing phonetic phrase coming out of juvenile's mouth. But what isn't? My name is Rob Arvilla.
This is 60 songs that explain the 90s. The song this time is Back That Ass Up, Except No Substitutes. The Strip Club National Anthem. The Awkward Moment at Your Cousin's Wedding National Anthem. The Got It Attention at My Junior High After School Dance National Anthem. The Ma'am, I'm Gonna Have to Ask You to Leave National Anthem. The Cultural Appropriation National Anthem. Gotta say I respect the sheer shameless audacity of Tom Steyer on stage at a South Carolina HBCU recreating that scene in the video for Dr. Dre's Keep Their Heads Ringing where all the lame white air traffic controllers are dancing lamely in the airport control tower and pandering harder with a single song choice than any American politician has ever pandered. If you're going to pander, pander with the best. Pander while one of the best rappers in New Orleans history throws his arm around you while rapping the line, I be slanging wood, yeah, out the hood, yeah. Can I talk about the juvenile song Ha first, though? Do you mind? Real quick, we got to go back to 1986. Okay, in 1986, Tom Steyer founded the Fairland Capital Investment Firm in San Francisco. I'm just kidding. In 1986, the Showboys, a young rap duo from Hollis, Queens, put out a gritty six-minute-long gangster rap epic called Drag Rap. Ingredients included the da-da-da-da theme song to the cop show Dragnet, ad campaigns for Wendy's Old Spice Deodorant and Irish Spring Soap, a little beatboxing, and a xylophone riff that would inadvertently help kickstart a a vibrant regional rap scene 1,300 miles away. If you know drag rap, you likely know it for one specific sound, and most likely you know the whole song by another name. It's better known now as Trigger Man. Don't do it, Nardo. Drag rap. Not a huge hit in Queens, but a foundationally huge hit in New Orleans. Here's what you do. You take that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do xylophone riff. Next, you take Brown Beats, a 1987 track by a San Francisco DJ named Cameron Paul. This guy's 2,200 miles from New Orleans. It's a 33-hour drive, nonstop, assuming traffic. Ain't too bad. Terrible assumption. But it goes a lot faster if you listen to this loop the whole time. Take these two songs just a touch under 3,000 miles away from each other, and you have, inexplicably, gloriously, the foundation for New Orleans bounce music. The xylophone riff and the Trigger Man beat. The showboys call that part the bones, but in New Orleans, they call it the bells. And there were the bells in 1991 on T.T. Tucker and DJ Irv's Where Day At. Part sex rap, part shout out to a risible local politician who really needed no introduction. Let me hit it from the back, let me hit it from the back, let me hit it from the back, cause I got a Jimmy yeah. Fuck David do, fuck David do. In 1992, DJ Jimmy put out a cover version of sorts called Where They At, an upgrade to the original, theoretically. DJ Jimmy on the album cover here looks just about as cool as a grown man has ever looked wearing shorts. Next time that tiresome grown men shouldn't wear shorts argument breaks out on the internet, pull that one up. And in the meantime... Around this time, DJ Jimmy also hooked up with a brash teenage rapper named Terrius Gray, soon known to the world as Juvenile. He was raised in New Orleans' Magnolia Projects. He was four years old when his biological father walked out on his family. He was 10 years old when he started rapping. He first enjoyed sizable regional fame as a teenager with the early 90s DJ Jimmy track Bounce for the Juvenile. Such a malevolent but mellifluous voice Juvenile had from the start. 
even as an extra brash underage shit talker. Do what this kid says, but watch yourself. What a verge is that? What a verge is that? All of y'all put your hands in the air. Because it turns out that this particular request is a trap. Shrink, stop telling that lie. We didn't hit you from the back for some Popeyes. You got a three-piece white, a small cold drink, some red beans, a biscuit, and small fries. Oh. You got to appreciate the specificity of the Popeye's order in this particular insult and the charisma with which the Popeye's order slash insult is delivered. It turns out that the single most important word juvenile raps on that song is you and you got a three piece white, etc. But we'll get back to that. One of my favorite aspects of New Orleans bounce music overall is the preponderance of answer records. Many of these supplied by even brasher female rappers who wouldn't stand for all these fried chicken for sex boasts. The best of these to my mind being Mia X's 1993 broadside to payback, which itemizes and then vaporizes many of these boasts, culminating in quite possibly the single hardest line I have ever heard in a rap song in my whole life. Doing damage to my backbone, please. Your belly tickle in the walls. Bitch, you just a tease. And make my pussy scream for a six-inch dick. I push an eight-pound baby, so you talking shit. I'm pushing eight pound babies to you talking shit. Do a reboot of the movie Eight Mile set in New Orleans. Mia X is from the Seventh Ward Project. It's called Seventh Ward. And end the movie at the climactic rap battle with Mia X rapping, I'm pushing eight pound babies to you talking shit. And instantly the dude she's battling just blows up. Spontaneously combusts. Whatever. Just boosh. And the whole building collapses around her. And she strides out of the rubble victoriously in slow motion, perhaps holding an eight-pound baby. Try coming back at her with you went to private school after that shit. I bring this up just to underscore that however uncouth and let's say unromantic Juvenile and his various hotshot rapper buddies are about to get on their various beloved national pop hits, the various pulchritudinous targets of their uncouth and semi-romantic attention are not going to take any of this lying down or bent over or whatever. These ladies might back their asses up for you, but don't you ever turn your back on them. Juvenile got a deal with New York City's Warlock Records and put out his debut album, Being Myself, in 1994. He sounded like a 19-year-old steeped in bounce music who thought he was irresistible and invincible because that, for the most part, was what he was. This song is called Betcha $20, parentheses, Bounce To. Bounce to it if you like, but otherwise, don't get involved. The best and most prophetic song on this record in terms of where Juvenile and New Orleans bounce as a whole were headed is called, indeed, Shake That Ass. Yeah, A-Z-Z. It's a slow jam. It's almost a love song. It's not really a love song. Mellifluous, though. What a mellifluous voice this kid already had. You'd do anything he asked, and you knew exactly what he was going to ask. He's a charmer. Honest, but keep your guard up. What a virgin set, what a virgin set. All of y'all put your hands in the air. Not falling for that again. Decent record being myself, but Juvenile does not truly become himself, his true self. And New Orleans rap does not truly become a national superstar type phenomenon until he hooks up with Cash Money Records. Then again, Cash Money Records does not become its true self until it hooks up with him. Cash Money was founded in 1991 by the brothers Brian and Ronald Williams. Ronald, known to his friends as Slim, 
Brian, known to his friends as Baby and later as Birdman. Birdmanhandrub.gif. There is a whole first wave, a first era of cash money records in the early 90s, full of stupendously raw and pretty great rappers who made great records that did not rise to awkward presidential campaign appropriation levels of prominence. Will Slim, UNLV, Projects Most Wanted, etc. The first full-length release on Cash Money was a 1992 album called The Sleepwalker by a horrorcore-type rapper named Kilo G. A lot of ghetto boys energy to Kilo G. After I played the song Gangsta Die First, I had this guitar riff in my head for like three hours. Not a complaint. I click back in my mind to the dope game Getting paid, fucking bitches, dodging off, selling cocaine My life was all about presidents Drive-bys in the hood, scaring all the fucking residents I'm out my favorite early Cash Money artist, though, is Ms. T, whose 1995 album Having Things includes a four-song run that includes Get Into It With A Bitch, Pistol Packing Bitch, and Messy Bitch. Here she is in a song called Hit The Road. She can buy her own Popeyes. Thank you very much. You told me I was the only one Until I caught that fucking bitch in a motherfucking bedroom Now I really feel bad I sure I took my nine out and shot that bitch in the fucking ass No Having Things was produced by Byron Otto Thomas, a.k.a. Manny Fresh, the rapper and DJ and budding super producer who by 95 was Cash Money's in-house producer. Probably it's more accurate to say that Manny Fresh was Cash Money's true and best self. He was also from the 7th Ward. Mia X tells really lovely and idyllic stories about growing up with Manny Fresh in that neighborhood. The streetlights coming on, the smell of ammonia and bleach from mothers scrubbing their front porches. Anyway, Manny Fresh is one of the best rap producers ever born. New York City and San Francisco played their part in bringing the foundational idea of bounce music to New Orleans. And Manny Fresh took that foundation. He helped uncover the entire universe contained just within Trigger Man and Brown Beats. It was instrumental in sending New Orleans bounce music back out to invade the whole rest of the world. He made drum machines sound like miniature second-line parades. He made live instrumentation, real drums, real keyboards sound truly live. He made New Orleans swagger palpable. He made New Orleans sweat palpable. You can smell the sweat. You can smell the bleach. You can feel the electricity that turns those streetlights on. He also made teenage rappers who often had never set foot in a real studio before sound like seasoned pros. Not seasoned pros, actually. That sounds boring. That sounds restrained. He made teenagers sound immortal and colossal and indomitably themselves. He likes to tell the story, Baby had been raving about this little girl out here and she's wrecking block parties. So Manny brings this girl into the studio, her first time in a real studio, and she brings maybe a dozen girls along with her to cheer her on. And the rapper known as Magnolia Shorty bangs out the song Monkey on the Dick in one take. The unrestrained energy of 13, 14, 15 teenage girls is also palpable here, which only makes a delightfully filthy song more delightful and also filthier. Manny Fresh says he first met Juvenile at a bus stop. He says Juvenile rapped song after song after song. He says it was mind-blowing. He says Juvenile said, whatever you want me to rap about, I'll rap about it. For me, Dynasty Era Cash Money Records begins with Juvenile's second album, Soldier Rags, in 1997. The Dynasty Era begins with the song Soldier Rag. It begins with Juvenile discovering the awesome power of just the word you.
You, 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 do you? Can you? Can't you? Here is Juvenile's voice as even a Tom Steyer voter knows it. The immaculate grit, the sinister mumbling, the way Manny's beat is riding him and not the other way around. But what I love about Juvenile is when Juvenile raps in the second person, when he addresses you directly, interrogates you, celebrates you, challenges you, denigrates you. No writer in history in any medium has Juvenile's unsettling facility with the second person. Bob Dylan's Ballad of a Thin Man, that super emo 80s cocaine novel, Bright Lights, Big City, whatever your personal favorite choose-your-own-adventure book is, it's Deadwood City. Forget it. Juvenile owns the second person. Juvenile has taken an intense personal interest in you. He's got a few questions for you. And on the third verse of Soldier Rag, he casually reels off a few lines so hypnotic that a year or so later, there'll be the chorus of one of Juvenile's and Cash Money's breakout national hits. If you're a paper chaser, you got your block on fire, remain in the G until the moment you expire, you know what it is to make nothing out of something you handle your beard and don't be crying in the something. So this is 1997, big year for this guy and this guy's record label and this guy's city. Cash Money Records is about to blow up. The first record from the big timers, the duo of Baby and Manny Fresh, both fine rappers in their own right, comes out in 97. It's called How You Love That. The first Hot Boys record featuring the quartet of Juvenile, BG, Turk, and an extra young phenom named Lil Wayne comes out in 97. It's called Get It How You Live. This teased things up nicely for 1998, which is the single biggest year in New Orleans rap history, buoyed by the two biggest record labels in New Orleans history, Cash Money and Masterpiece No Limit Records. I've talked at great length in this venue about Masterpiece, Make Him Say Uh, and the greatness of No Limit's roster overall, including Mia X. I have talked at great length about the cartoonish absurdity of No Limit's output in 1998 alone, 23 albums, 16 of which going gold or platinum. This will prove to be No Limit's peak. This would be anybody's peak. But Cash Money's Ascent is just beginning in 1998. That's the year Cash Money signs its famous $30 million deal with Universal Records. And that's the year Juvenile puts out his third album, 400 Degrees, which will sell 4 million copies in the United States. Even counting Drake, it might still be the best-selling Cash Money album ever. Back That Ass Up is on this record, yes. But for me, it starts with Ha. It starts with the red-hot soldier rag verse that is now, a year later, a white-hot chorus. Ha is the job interview you have to ace before you even get to listen to back that as up. I get your natural impulse to count how many times Juvenile says ha in the song ha. He says ha 823 times. But the most important word in the song ha is you. That's you with that bad ass business, huh? That's you that can't keep old ladies because you keep fucking the friends, huh? You gotta go to court, huh? You gotta serve a subpoena for child support, huh? Juvenile's got a four-inch thick file on you, pal. He's got x-ray vision. He knows where your bodies are buried. He's got some advice on how you might avoid getting buried right alongside him. You got a trust band in charge, huh? Your dick got hard, huh? When you was looking at them little bros, huh? You don't know when to quit, huh? That's you with that shot calling shit, huh? That's you with that ball and shit, huh? 
That's you. That's you. That's you. That's you. Ha is the only TED talk slash pep talk slash trash talk slash cautionary tale you will ever need as provided by the undisputed master of the second person, which is going to come in real handy when it's time for Juvenile to make the New Orleans Bounce crossover hit to end all New Orleans Bounce crossover hits. First things first, with apologies to Saving Private Ryan or Fargo or Ace Ventura, Pet Detective or whatever, the best cinematography of the 1990s can be found within the first 10 seconds of the Back That Ass Up video. The two dudes with violins, one of whom is in a wheelchair in the middle of the street, these huge trees looming over them, sunlight poking through the leaves, and the whole scene tinted this stately gunmetal green color of dollar bills that have been thrown at more than a few strip club stages in their time. And then there's Juvenile standing in the same spot, emerging from a cloud of smoke, as though he's a force of nature, as though the very atmosphere of his city manifested him. If you've seen this video enough times, you can see this video right now just by hearing this. And then Juvenile starts to talk to you again. You, 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 some of you, the anatomically fortunate among you. Whatever else back that ass up is, it is indisputably a New Orleans bounce song. A New Orleans bounce song that cracked the top 20 on the Billboard Hot 100. Juvenile did not anticipate this. Here's how he put it to Complex in 2012. Quote, it's the song that I didn't think would make it because it's bounce music. I have been doing bounce music for years and it just went regional. It never went mainstream. I didn't think people in New York and LA, people that weren't from my area or are used to this kind of music, would like it. It just blew up. I was shocked. I always thought Ha was going to be the song to really blow me over, but it was back that ass up. It was crazy. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He shouldn't have been surprised. Juvenile raps every last line of this song like it's the chorus, like every last word should be etched onto your family's coat of arms. Totally inappropriate sentiments to etch onto your family's coat of arms, of course, but this is the true magic of Back That As Up, the ill-advised abandon it inspires in nearly everyone within seconds of hearing it. It is the ultimate party song because it turns any situation, wherever it appears, and whatever is occurring there, among whomsoever happens to be there, into a party, whether this is an appropriate situation for a party or not. You will never have a better time making terrible decisions. You will never have a better time thinking about terrible decisions you have made in the past or plan to make in the future. 
Wonderful things are going to happen in the years following back that as up. Terrible things are going to happen to the Cash Money family, to Juvenile, to Hip Hop, to New Orleans, to America. A whole lot of both wonderful and terrible things will happen to Lil Wayne, for example. Manny Fresh also raps on Back That Ass Up. Manny Fresh is a fine rapper. He's fine. He made the beat. He can do what he wants. But here we have Lil Wayne with just the quick flash of the bizarre and almost disconcerting charisma that's going to make him a true superstar rapper himself in a few years. The cover of that first Hot Boys record, Get It How You Live from 1997, it's the easiest way to convey how young these rappers are. Lil Wayne is all of 14 years old on that record. Quite famously, his mom wouldn't let him swear yet. He'd finally get to in 1999 when he was 16 or so on his own Cash Money solo debut, The Block Is Hot. That's a great record. BG's Chopper City in the Ghetto, that's an even better record. The great rap writer Paul Thompson, he once wrote that his friend texted him just to say, BG sounds like what I think an iguana would sound like. That's perfect. The Hot Boys' second album, Guerrilla Warfare, that's the best album of all those. I Need a Hot Girl is the song you play after Back That Ass Up if anyone at the party still hasn't made a terrible decision. But the downside to the cash money experience is just as visceral as the upside. Virtually every rapper from this era will leave and or sue cash money over money. Juvenile included, Manny Fresh included. As super famous as he got, Lil Wayne's own endless legal battles with cash money only ended with a settlement and purportedly his freedom in 2018. That first pre-fame wave of cash money artists mostly didn't get to enjoy the good times at all. Kilo G was shot and killed. Magnolia Shorty was shot and killed. BG went to prison. Turk went to prison. Lil Wayne went to prison. Juvenile's four-year-old daughter was shot and killed in 2008. Just like with 90% of the stories I tell in this venue, or it feels like that anyway, tragedy and acrimony and disillusion are inevitable if we look far enough into the future, past whatever the peak happens to be. By one measure, Juvenile, of course, would peak in 2004 when Slow Motion was a number one pop hit. But even Slow Motion, great as it is, still lives in the shadow of Back That Ass Up, a very strange song that inspires very strange and imprudent behavior. Some among the people who made it, and a great deal more among anyone who happens to hear it, Tom Steyer included. There is one actual benefit to the radio edit to back that thang up, which is that it includes Lil Wayne doing this during the fade out. Don't overthink it. Just do what he does. Do whatever he says to do. That's the whole point of this music, after all. Manny Fresh once explained it this way. Quote, I would say that Bounce, for the most part, is original hip-hop. The way hip-hop started. There's call and response. There's raw beats. There's an MC just going for it, wondering, how can I run the crowd? That's the whole purpose of it. You need the energy, and if you're whack at it, the crowd's going to let you know. If you're good at it, you're going to control the crowd, but the whole purpose of it is response and call. It's the way hip-hop started. There's an MC, a DJ, and the mic. Good luck. They call. You respond. That's bounce music for you. And if they get the call right, no matter how weird or inappropriate it sounds, then you are not legally responsible for your response. Juvenile knows you better than you know yourself. And you, well, you know what to do.
My guests today co-host the greatest podcast ever made, uh, Renaissance Men, Anime Scholars, PlayStation 5 owners, it's Micah Peters and Justin Charity from The Ringer's Own Sound Only. Is there anything else I should add to your intro, Well, well Can we talk about uh, Charity's Immaculate Hairline? I mean, like, it's it's such a shame that our listeners won't get to see, like, how clean his hair looks right now, you know? He is, is a very handsome man, as always. It is it is wonderful to see your faces, to hear your voices. Thank you very much for being here. No, we're happy today. to be here. We're talking to the godfather of music criticism. <laughs> Shoot, Rob Arvilla. Let's get it. Let's get it, baby. Let's go. Oh, God. Meeting uh, of the minds. Yes, yes. Micah, back that as up is an enduring <laughs> national treasure. But this is... This is a New Orleans song. What does this song mean to Louisiana and only to Louisiana? Like, what about this song can you only understand if you have lived there? Oh, man. So, back that ass up was like, you know, technically before my time. But it was also like, you know, back that ass up also exists in perpetuity. It's the song that comes on that separates the men from the boys, so to speak. Either you can find something to get up on or you can't. Also, like, it's <laughs> the, uh, like, the, <laughs> it's the truth. But, like, also, if you're, like, watching the music video, and I think I've, like, written about this before in, like, uh, some sort of ringer retrospective. It's just kind of, like, the sense of place that you get immediately from the first opening strings of the music video. Yes. Um, like, the, the crack pavement, the Elysian Park sign, like it's just mm-hmm. all things that, you know, recall a whole bunch of stuff that like I was too young to know about, but knew about anyway. When is that transition from boy to man happen with when do you get up <laughs> on something, generally speaking, Micah? I mean, you know, in your <laughs> I don't know, your teenage years. Uh yeah, let's just let's just go with that. Um, okay. How has your appreciation of this song changed as you got older? Like, what did you love about "Back That As Up" whenever you first heard it, and what do you love about it now? And are those the same things necessarily? Uh, well, the thing is that like the first thing that I truly like loved about it, number one was like. When when Manny Fresh comes in and starts rapping, I know you can't stand it. Stand bad, <laughs> like, and then, but also like the but also Wayne, yes. like the gangly, like stringy, wiry, just coming out version, talking about wobbly, wobbly, wobble. Like, is it, like it's like it's crazy. Like he steals the spotlight with like not even a full eight bars it's with just, nonsense words. Yeah, yes. it's just nonsense. You know, forecasting a lot of stuff to come. Absolutely. Charity, what is your relationship with this song? When did you first come to it? Man, come on, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not that much older than Micah, but I, I, I wouldn't say all the crazy stuff about, oh, it's before my time. No, it's exactly my time. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm from Virginia, so I decided, yeah. you know, I let Micah go first, obviously. But um, here's the thing, right? All that hip-hop before or at the turn of the century is it's a bunch of sounds, even though it's a lot of it sort of from New York is sample driven, right? But mm-hmm. it's a lot of sounds that you they just felt like they came from another planet, right? But I think that's right. I think that's true all around, Midwestern, New York, whatever. But the Southern stuff in particular, man, it's just like by this point, who's on the radio? It's like Manny Fresh is Missy, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's yeah, for I mean, like it was like a period where like Vanny Fresh like reshaped American popular music like in his image. Like there's that interview like in the I don't know, maybe it was like a 20 year retrospective, like a complex where he was talking about adding the strings in. He was just like, I'm, I was trying to capture white America. And he was just like, as soon as, <laughs> and he was just like, yo, as soon as, as soon as Sharon Stone started shaking ass to the song, he was just like, I got y'all. I, I know, I knew it. I like the idea of like, how you get white people? I know we put some strings in we'll this. We put some strings, <laughs> strings in this, in this song about shaking ass. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> Life hack. Uh, <laughs> No, but it is, it's also, man, I just, I remember the energy of this song on the radio, right? Because it's its both, Juvenile has this, he has that distinct accent and he has that draw. Mm. But it's also that this Manny Fresh beat, this guy is just spazzing. This song is so, <laughs> the tempo is nuts. Everything about it is disruptive. Like even right. just in the context of a radio playlist, like going from Living La Vida Loca to this. <laughs> and he, and look, hey, look, that's no shade either. Living La Vida Loca no. is brazy, right? But then mm. to back that ass up even, it's just <laughs> the energy, immaculate. Absolutely. I. What did Manny Fresh do for popular music beyond, you know, bring the white folks in with the strings so Sharon Stone would get on it. Like what what is it that Manny Fresh <laughs> brought to hip hop? What is what was different after Manny Fresh? I I mean like it's an entire kind of mode of like drums. It was like the right. like adding like the 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 kind of propulsive elements of bounce music to like rap canon. Like in a right, in, right. like a way that like translated like across regional borders, you know? It's also for I mean for better or worse, right? It's also the very beginning of white people being introduced to the idea of twerking, right? And and I don't right. just mean that in the yeah. literal sense, but in the mm -hmm. sense of music that is conducive to such. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's the thing. It's that gangly just all over the place energy of this song that I, again, I just don't know that radio had had exactly the energy of a Manny Fresh beat like this. Before yeah. this, mm -hmm. um, well, it was Ha also. Yeah, like, yeah, mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Ha was like Ha was there first, but I mean, also it was just kind of like no one really knew what to do with like, <laughs> like no one really knew what to do with Ha because it was just like nothing had ever sounded yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, ha is still my favorite. Like, is there a quality to Juvenile's voice on Ha? Like, whether that's his vocal tone or his accent, like you said, Charity, that yeah, no other that's rapper has. Accent. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you feel both like very safe, but also very threatened by it. Like, I just like right. it's, I, I don't know exactly like how best to describe it, but he's just like you got stuck in the New on New Year's Eve, huh? You got stuck in that bitch, <laughs> you didn't leave, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think, Michael, uh, I'm going to throw out the rest of my questions, and I just want you to rap all of these songs <laughs> in their entirety for us a cappella. I think you know, that will convey more of your thoughts on the songs than anything you're going to say about them. Just <laughs> just go whenever you're ready. You know, if you need us to beatbox or something, I, I don't recommend that, actually. This is why to this day, by the way, this, like, Juvie is to this day why I will die on the hill that Kanye has the best verse on Monster. Because the whole, like... <laughs> juvenile tribute flow on that song is way more impressive than like Nikki trying to do a KRS one flow or maybe Rick Ross gets close, but I don't know, man. 
Oh, Rick Ross has his own like kind of juvenile pastiche that works yeah. really well. Like, yeah, yeah well, well, it, like it came like later. Like, yeah. Black Opium is crazy where he has like the second verse. He's just like, it's wall diggers, it's y'all diggers, they all say the root. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Charity, I'd like to quote something you said to me earlier today. We were talking about juvenile, and you said, and I quote, he nasty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> About, okay, if you think about it, and, and this is another thing we're talking about, what changed with this record, right? And yeah. the climate around it. I think New York hip-hop, other hip-hop before this moment, you know, you have stuff like Akinelli, right? It's not like you have rappers who kind of bring a certain sexual mischief to records. But I just associate Back That Ass Up with sort of like, when basically you had Missy, Juvie, Mystical, DeBrat, Trina, like when you have all those people on the radio in critical mass, right. that to me is when it's like, oh, okay, the, the, the South has like a particular <laughs> messiness to it. <laughs> um, and Juvie, I don't know, back that ass up has that, but it's also juvenile is complicated, right? Because th- isn't he like very averse to eating the cat, as it were. I don't know what how we want to put it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's full yep, of contradictions yep, in this yeah, regard, like it's, right? It's, there are multiple references to him not being, uh, not being into reciprocation, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> My kids are going to listen to this, guys. Please. No. Just, just like... I mean, like, I don't think that we could have traipsed, like, more lightly around like that. Uh, no, that know? was, I, yes. I, I'm just going to, they're going to ask me what eating the cat means. And I'm be like, ah, oh, it's just, <laughs> it's a dance. That's uh, it. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> How did all those filthy songs get on the radio at the same time? What happened at that moment? How does a song as dirty as Back That Ass Up become the song that like white people feel comfortable dancing to at weddings? Is it just that it's undeniable otherwise, that it, the, the filthiness is sort of Trojan horsed into it? Well, yes. Uh, I think that that's like the, the whole thing about like the the strings that I was talking about before. Yeah. Like the undeniability of back that ass up is why it's like a wedding song at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, like as for the rest of it, it's just kind of like blunt force. And like once one's in, like they're all in. Right. 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 Um, Our dear colleague, Charles Holmes interviewed juvenile for Rolling Stone last year in summer 2020. And he's like hanging out in St. Louis, like building his own furniture during COVID lockdown, he's in his mid 40s, seems very wholesome, like especially in light of losing DMX recently. Is it a relief to see Juvenile, you know, thriving in his way now? Yeah, man. I'd, like it's, it's, it's cool to see Juvenile doing carpentry. Like it's, <laughs> I like the kind of retirement phase, like flowering of personality that's happening across like all these old rappers. Like Styles P is the best person to follow on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> What's he doing? I, I don't I I haven't had the pleasure of he's just he's a Jew entrepreneur. Yeah, he's just doing that. Yeah, exactly. He, it was just like it started with him just making smoothies. He's just like, yo, juice is fucking tight. And then he was like, and then he made his own business out of it. Like it's just, you know, and he just tweets positive stuff and alternately uses Twitter like Google. 
It's really <laughs> wonderful. Well, yo, I think about that. I mean, obviously, so Nori, Noriega, right? Like he has, he hosts a podcast now, Drink Champs, that I listen to. But I remember back in the formative stages of Twitter, Nori was like one of the big personalities on Twitter because he was just really funny. But specifically, Nori constantly tweeted about like getting into running. <laughs> And like, that's actually how I got into running. <laughs> I was like, damn, Nori running? Maybe I should get into running. He's and an influencer. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It's like, there's something about that phase. I think it's, yeah, you're right. So many rap careers can be depressing because like they have these really tragic ends on different levels, right? It could be like people dying at an early age. It could be people just being sort of broke and destitute and being screwed over by labels. And it's it's always right. good when you're just like, you see the rappers who are like, yo, I have other interests and aspirations other than just rapping. I'm going to go build furniture or launch a juice empire or something. I always <laughs> love that. We love to see it. <laughs> uh, is it necessary whether you're from Louisiana or not to take a side, no limit versus cash money? Is it one or the other necessarily? Just be a student of the game, man. Yeah. Like, don't, don't, right. don't be, a, don't just be like, don't pick a faction just because you like think that you have to. Like, okay. they all got to, like, there's joints all over the place, you know? It's a very Zen way of Don't deprive at yourself. That's admirable. Quit blocking your blessings. Okay. <laughs> what is what does differentiate in your mind no limit from cash money? Is there is there what is the main sonic or personality difference between them to your mind? I think that I would say no limit is like raw and tinier and sounds more like these niggas like, like rap like they've never been anywhere else. Cash money like feels like bigger and more like a transatlantic operation global yeah right yeah right. E even though it's kind of the opposite right even though it's actually like no limit that is the sort of california exactly. but also louisiana mm -hmm. thing but you're right it does feel the opposite no limit feels so much more self-contained and paranoid and kind of chaotic in a way that i'm not saying that cash money wasn't also chaotic but it felt like more <laughs> of a controlled chaos than no limit did right. i think a little less militant if nothing else <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you could in fact say it's like it's, yeah like you know no limit <laughs> is like heavy is like heavy metal and like cash money is like well everything from heavy metal to mall punk there we go <laughs> <laughs> um do the hot boys come up often enough in greatest rap groups of all time conversations like guerrilla warfare Ooh. that record holds up so well like are these guys secretly worthy of that you know a tribe called quest Wu-Tang Clan tier, or is that overstating? Of course they are. But I mean, like, it's like, it's it's. Like I think they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tribe. Wu-Tang, yeah. I, I hold in, like, I do hold in a regard where they would probably win that matchup. I will, right. yeah. Maybe against Tribe. I mean, yeah. Mm. I'm enough of a contrarian to take that matchup. Yeah. I was counting on that, actually. That's, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it weird if I say that BG is my favorite member of the what? Hot Boys? Like, he's suave in like the sleaziest imaginable way in a way that I find super appealing for some weird reason. Yeah, I mean, like, one of the few people that can make uh, all gold fronts sort of match with a pinstripe suit. Also, <laughs> like, there's, I want to, you got it, is like one of like the best I feel like we, that didn't make it into like Southern Anthem canon like it should have. But that shit mm. is incredible. Yeah. Still. I'm glad that him and Wayne sort of made up. I think they made up. 
I don't know if they're beefing again. Who knows? Who knows? Is there any juvenile song, you know, from that late 90s era that also you think is worthy of the of the Southern rap canon and didn't quite make it to the same degree as back yeah, then? What are, the, what are the, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Soldier Rags is sort of there, I guess. Soldier Rags uh, set it off. Set it off um, is canon. That, that's no, nah, I mean set it off. Yeah. Like set it off is canon. Like I'm talking about. Like oh, in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, <laughs> and just be like all the 400 degrees should be canon. <laughs> yes, I think it is. I the fact that virtually everyone from juveniles era has sued Cash Money or at least left <laughs> Cash Money super yeah. acrimoniously, including Juvenile and Wayne, of course. Like, does that change the way you hear a record like Four Hundred Degrees, a Guerrilla Warfare? Like, I love the camaraderie between these guys so much, but like, does this music hit different when you know it ends the way that it ends? No, because like that's rap, baby. That's rap. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just like, right. honestly that's rap music. <laughs> every every single like major partnership of the late 90s early 2000s ends with implosion yeah like, right. a, a pd crack a proverbial pd crack <laughs> being thrown under the bus uh, you know <laughs> like that's rap <laughs> it would be disappointing if that didn't happen i guess yeah. at this point yeah uh, well, geez, this has been incredibly enlightening, guys, and I am <laughs> so honored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I am very honored that oh, you, you come and join us today. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much to my guests, Micah Peters and Justin Charity. Thanks to our producers, Justin Sales and Isaac Lee. And thanks to you for listening. And now, without further ado, here's Juvenile with Back That Ass Up. We'll see you next week.